Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 956. I understand what it means to be determined now. I understand what it means to be relentless about wanting to get something done. And mostly I understand about knowing how to leave on your own terms. And that's probably what it gave me more than anything else was once I had raced again, I was okay to be done. And that's a feeling that I've always kept with me is that knowing when to stop is probably one of the greatest things that you can learn in your life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Townsend. Hey, David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am strapped in. Here we go. David Townsend is an automotive artist who owns sports car art in southern Vermont. If you count the Rat Fink and other Ed Roth doodles that David used as inspiration as a great schooler in Southern California, he's been drawing cars for well over a half century. While a career in advertising and design eventually led him down a different creative path, he returned to illustrating full-time after he retired to reconnect with his first art beginnings. David's work has been featured on everything from catalog covers and full-scale laser etchings to books, including some 300 or so illustrations featured in a soon-to-be-published tome aimed at new or first-time collectors. So, David, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for drawing and painting automobiles? As you said, I had a career in advertising and design for a long, long time, and uh, during that, I, I managed to keep my, my hand in and drawing all the time, mostly technical drawings and whatnot, or, you know, things that, that would make me happy, get me going, and doing work for car guys. Um, you know, I was always on, always on call for that rendering for, hey, what's my next project going to look like, because <laughs> I, I don't know, and um, so I kind of kept going with that. When time came for me to move on past my agency, this is something I, I wanted to do. So I, I kind of started doing a little bit of it as I as I went along. And through a number of serendipitous moments, it went from something pretty tiny, designing rare vintage decals for vintage race guys, cool. uh, to drawing full-scale cutaway cars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it's been a pretty crazy thing. Well, you've been having fun. I think this is pretty neat. It's kind of the next evolution of your creativity as an artist and a designer and somebody who creates cool things. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on this journey we call your life. But first, I always ask my mm. guests for a mantra or a inspirational quote. It's some kind of saying that has great meaning for you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so David, take the wheel. I don't know whose quote this is, um, but uh, it's something I've, I've kept written down for a long time, that uh, talent is not a gift. It's a responsibility. And those who have it are tasked with being stewards, growing it, nurturing it, and passing it on to the next people. And that is, I, I think, the essence of, of how I view what I do. No doubt. You know, I've had many, many artists, hundreds of artists on the show here, and one thing that I hear from them and it's a lot like I hear from the many hundreds of racers I've had, is practice makes perfect. You have to just keep doing it. It's seat time. Yeah. So 
I would ask you for a little inspiration for folks out there that say, oh, I can't draw well. I'm no good at that. I just can't do it. What would you say to them? I would give you a little story that uh, one of the things in my agency that we used to do is say that everybody had to draw. And I didn't care if it was a stick figure. But my take on it is, is that if you're in a creative agency and you're in a creative position, you need to learn the tools of the trade and the history of the craft, whether you can execute it well or not. And, you know, and honestly, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You know, you pick up a pen, you put it down, you try something, be happy with it. Yes. If that's the best you can do, you did great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not everybody's crazy like me wants to, <laughs> <laughs> wants to do what I do. Well, so. it's practice for sure. And uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. it's uh, My son was just visiting here, and he's in the creative field. And I know that he said, you know, you just have to do it every day. And he loves to write as well. So every day he spends time writing. Every day he spends a little time sketching in a sketchbook, even though he works on a computer. And I know a lot of your work, though, now – and we were just talking about this in our pre-show chat. Your your artistic friends have said you've gone to the dark side. You do almost everything on a computer, right? I do. I still keep sketchbooks. I've kept I've kept books for well well over 50, almost fifty years now. So I have a whole library of them. Some of them are behind me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I have. I think in part because I wanted to be able to offer my work. Well, to backtrack, one of the things that sells my work as prints mm-hmm. is that. People can buy prints for me in the colors of their cars. Cool. Now, if I was doing conventional printmaking, that'd be it would be ghastly expensive for somebody to buy a piece of my work, and it would be very hard because you'd have to create every single drawing by hand, by new, and it just really wouldn't be be workable. But in the digital environment, you can create the car, create all of the work, create all of the colors for every color that car was offered in and so when somebody says gee whiz i i need an austin healy 3000 in you know lobelia blue with old english white you know you know 30 minutes down the road you can send them an electronic proof of of his car you you can't do that right. in an analog environment it, it cannot be done yeah absolutely so. i love embracing technology well let's go back in time and talk about your passion for cars is there a moment in time you can share with us that instigated that passion a pivotal moment when you knew you were a car guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, – as we established, I grew up in Southern California. I, I know I've emigrated to the other part of the, the world for you folk. But, you know, and, you know, you're a teenage boy in the 60s, and, as I was, and my dad must have been beside himself. I was probably relentless about wanting a car and started early. For my 15th birthday, he took me out into the garage, and in there in the garage was was a Morris Minor 1000. If you don't know what they are, they're you know little English, what the English would call saloon. Yes. And in some soul had painted it the most hideous shade of robin egg blue that you'd ever seen in your life. <laughs> it was really a ghastly looking thing. I um, mean, it did not run, and the transmission was locked up. And he had a box of tools and the shop manual, and sent me off with the admonition that when I got it running, I could have it. And when I asked if he was going to help, he went, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's for you to figure out. That was for me to figure out. And um, it it took me nearly a year, you know, but but I got it going and I got it running and it was safe. And uh, and I've been doing it ever since. Well, I like your dad. I I like your dad. He instilled something in you that no doubt you've carried forward in your life from that experience. And that is pride of workmanship, pride of accomplishment getting something done. Uh, did you repaint that car or did you leave it blue? 
I never got the chance, you know. Uh, I had that car for probably not too long. I had it long enough to pull the, the four-banger lump out of it and find a little 260. That was my first hot rod, too. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, driving down Magnolia Avenue in Riverside, somebody stopped up in front of me, and I stopped, and the guy in back of me didn't oh, stop. Oh, ouch. So uh, it wasn't very high speed, but the but the Morris was no more. Yeah, didn't, <laughs> so, didn't take much to crunch those little cans of tin. That's for sure. No, uh, it yeah, was, uh, yeah. Well, a moment of silence for the Morris Minor. <laughs> well, I still have the I still have the bonnet badge. Oh, cool. Yeah, I uh, I had a Carnegie in high school that I sold to a friend, and she was hit by a drunk driver and. I went oh. to the junkyard and pulled all the uh, badges off, and I still have all those as a memento of that car. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've chosen a life as an entrepreneur, a business owner, and now you're an artist. And no doubt you've run up against some challenges, maybe even a few failures along the way that have taught you some great things. So I'd love for you to take us to one of those moments in time, walk us through it. Tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your life as you moved forward. Among the many things that, that I've gotten to do in my, my life is I got to race bicycles. I was fairly decent at it. I was at a race in um, Arizona and uh, had gotten wet and um, there was some dicing around. And uh, the bottom line was I got hit from behind and spun into a rock and I shattered my left leg. Oh, ouch. And wound up in the hospital for a couple months and in a wheelchair for a half a year. And Oh, my gosh basically got to learn how to walk and to, you know, to do things again. And um, it was probably the first time in my life that I'd ever been faced with something that I I wasn't really sure how I was going to manage. And, uh, you know, and and I I know a lot of people think about those things, think they're sort of horrific things to happen. But I have to tell you, probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. Really? And why is that? You know, because it made me made me take a hard look at how badly I wanted to do something, mm. made me put me on a path because I, I wanted to go back and race again, as as ridiculous as that may, may sound. But I wanted to go back and race again. And it took me um, a couple of years of rehabilitation to be able to get to the point where I could ride competitively. Mm-hmm. And it was a great journey, not without some pain, as you, as you might imagine. But I'd always thought that I was a pretty determined guy, but once I got back and I was back in competition, I, I kind of looked back on that experience and went, I understand what it means to be determined now. I understand what it means to be relentless about wanting to get something done. Sure. And mostly I understand about knowing how to leave on your own terms. Mm. And that's probably what it gave me more than anything else was once I had raced again, I was okay to be done. Mm-hmm. And that's a feeling that I've always kept with me is that knowing when to stop is probably one of the greatest things that you can learn in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing when it's time. I I did that with the agency when it got to the point where I knew my heart wasn't there. And uh, I'm not sure without the cycling experience if I would have had that wisdom. Mm. Wow. Wow. Very inspirational personal story. And I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Uh, I think the lessons learned there are very obvious for anybody who might be going through something very similar. I've had many guests who've been through some pretty horrific accidents, crashes. I think of, uh, you know, Chad McQueen, who was a guest here on the show, who oh God, was, yes. was just slaughtered in an accident. Tommy Kendall, who was hurt very Tommy badly Kendall. in racing accident. He was my 500th guest here on Cars. Yeah. 
And of course, uh, a guest that I would love to have on the show, Alex Zanardi, uh, the, the way he powered back from a horrific accident, losing his leg. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. You learn a lot about yourself when you go through these very, very, very trying things. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Maybe for you is when you transitioned out of your agency into becoming a full time illustrator. But uh, tell us about your career aha moment. I had been doing some vintage decal restoration for, you know, guys that were racing their cars at, you know, the European vintage races. So, and one of these customers had owned, um, owned the photographs of the MGB GT that engineers had cut down the center, you know, cut it in half. I think it's in the British Heritage Museum right now. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me to recomposite these photos, which I tried for a little while. And um, that was completely unsuccessful. And I, I called him up and broke the bad news and said, I just didn't think it was feasible. And uh, he said he was very disappointed. I said, gee, but I, I think it would make an awesome illustration because we could correct all that. Right. And he said, well, that's a great idea. So we arrived at a price and I kept the printing rights and I do the illustration and Henry's happy as can be. And I print 25 of them and I, I got on a message board. Um, that I frequent a lot for my car stuff and said, hey, I got 25 of these things. Anybody want them? Here's the price. And I sold them all within a few hours. Nice. And I kind of went, huh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe a couple of days later, I get this email. Can you do this car? I said, sure. So I did that car. And the uh, same thing happened. So at this point, I'm kind of thinking, gee whiz, maybe there's something to this. Sure. But it really wasn't, it wasn't what I do now. You know, I mean, it was I was really recreating a car cut in half. Sure. And that's that's what I was doing. And it, there wasn't a lot of art to it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a lot. I wasn't I wasn't trying to capture the moment or capture the soul or right. or capture the spirit of the piece. I was just trying to replicate what was there. Sure. But that was really the aha was, you know, the second time I went, OK, so maybe there's something to this. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, you've realized there was a market for something. And it's not unlike a lot of entrepreneurs when they start to create something that they don't even realize there might be a market for it. And they they found a hole, a vacuum, and all of a sudden some people run and fill it up and say, yeah, I want that. And it's, oh, there's something I can produce here. So that's a great story. I love it. One of the most embarrassing questions I used to get asked all the time is, gee, why didn't you think of doing this sooner? I went, (laughs) you know, I really don't know. I mean, I've done cars and art. Since I was little, little, and I just never thought of putting them together, that's yeah. all. Well, that's why it's an aha moment. <laughs> Sometimes the light bulb takes aha. a little longer to be turned on than other times, that's for sure. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many because you made many people happy with the art that you created. And, of course, your agency made many clients very happy. But is there one moment that stands out you could share with us? Not a moment, but an activity. And it kind of relates to my quote. Especially in the creative business, you, you, you learn a lot. You come up with a lot of cool ways to do things, sometimes unique ways to do things. And the problem is is that if, if you're not active about trying to pass them on, they die when you die. Mm. And uh, I have been blessed for the last 14 years of teaching every, every year. I, I teach an hour a week at a digital arts class uh, to high school students. And uh, it's probably the, the, the most rewarding, fulfilling experience besides my kids that I've had in my life. Uh, the, you know, being able to 
to take what you know and to give it to somebody else and to watch what they do with it is just it's just the coolest thing on earth, Mark. It I is. don't know how to tell you. Yeah. It is just the rocking thing. And 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 these people have gone on to do some really incredible things. Yeah. And to know that you've had some small piece in that is just neat. Yeah. It rocked. There's nothing like paying it forward, as they say, uh, helping somebody else, uh, pushing somebody along, showing them things that they can do that they had no idea that they can do. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Very awesome. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. Now, you talked about that first Morris that your dad tossed at you and said, hey, make it run. What was your first really special vehicle, a car that really had meaning for you? I bought, I don't remember the year. But I bought a 73 Z28 off a used car lot that had belonged to some kid that had jacked up the back end and done all kinds of crazy stuff. But when I looked it up, I found out that it, that it was one of, of just about 1,400 cars that were uh, Z28 RS LT. So it was, it was every package they had. Mm-hmm. I drove the car back, and those were the days when Herb Adams was the big deal in the, you know, in the sedan racing circuit. So uh, we stripped it down to the bones, and and Herb Adams the suspension, and took the old 350 and gave it the hee ho, and put a 327 HP and uh, you know high horse in it, yeah. and uh, it was just an awesome freaking car. I I don't know what to tell you. It was um, it was stupendously fast. Although it, it didn't like water of any kind, even even do <laughs> it just it, it just didn't like it. But um, it was just a great car, and I ended up selling it. It's probably the one car that I uh, of all the cars I've owned, and that that's the one I would most want back. Yeah. Well, then I think you answered my next question: the seller's yeah, remorse yeah. story. So yeah, I understand. I understand. Those are cool cars, and that one in particular. Very unique and special. So, I had some I had some experiences in it. I was driving from Denver out to uh, out here, actually out to Southern California, and sometime out, outside Albuquerque at some awful hour of the morning at at a very high rate of speed. I went under a, the road, made a, a left, and I I wasn't really fully with it, and the the Z got sideways. Uh oh! At extraordinary high speed, and. Uh, and I'm sliding along, and I went under an underpass. And when I went under the underpass, the pavement was dry. Oh. So and the car caught, which yeah. was perfect. And I got it straightened back out. <laughs> but let me tell you, that was, a, that was a clean your pants out moment. I was going to say, change your shorts after that one. Yeah, that'll wake you up to say, time to slow down a little bit and pay attention. Oh, my goodness. It's one thing when you're on the track and you're, you know, you're kind of ready for it. Right. But it's a whole other thing when it's like three o'clock in the morning. And yeah. You're not really- no, you're a little tired, going too fast. Yeah. All the bad things combined. Uh, well, I'm glad nothing worse happened to you for sure. Well, let's talk about the new year here. We're uh, at the end of January, but it is a new year, 2018. What are you excited and fired up that you're working on this year? I am working on a series of Formula One car prints uh, from 1967. I'm just about halfway through doing the six winning cars from 1967, a kind of an unusual year because uh, we had uh, eight full-time manufacturers and six of them won races, which is pretty strange. Yeah. 
And uh, we had Dan Gurney, who actually the only American driver in an American car to ever win an F1 race. We have Jim Clark getting out there and winning first time out in his Ford Cosworth, having never even been in the car before he before he raced it. And uh, Honda winning at a Monza on the last lap. The only lap it ever leads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's some pretty crazy things in 1967. Oh, 67 was an awesome year for collector cars, too. I mean, I, my Carmen Ghia was a 67. Uh, my first car, which was nothing special, a Chevy Nova, was a 67. Uh, but there oh. were some great cars made in 67. So, uh, yeah, awesome, especially F1. Yeah, and it's uh, – you know, yeah, it's it's you always learn stuff when you're drawing this. No matter how much you know about cars, you know you're drawing the these things. And you know, I'm in the third one now, and I'm thinking, you know, so these designers all had basically the same kit to work with. You know, there wasn't anything different, and it's amazing the different ways they chose to put things together to to achieve their result. And uh, you know, it's like having a box of Legos, and everybody. Did something different. Yeah. Yeah. What makes, makes, what makes life interesting and the world go around. So, well, I can't wait to see all those things done and completed. And obviously, people can go to your website, right? And see a lot of all the work that you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much everything. I, I think there's, um, there's probably about 110 prints up there right now, rough numbers. Nice. Nice. So, um, mostly British, but, uh, but some other stuff. And what's that, web, that website, real quick? Sports Car Art. Com. Very easy. Very easy. I'll make sure there's a link to that on David's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. All right, David, here's a very introspective question for you. If David was a car or a race car or any kind of vehicle, what would he be and why? This was the hardest question to answer. Uh, it, it's a tough one if you really think about what it's designed for. It's not what you wish you were. It's what you no. are. So I kind of went at it backwards. And so what, I'll just read you what I wrote down. And I said, so a bit trim. A bit temperamental. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Loyal to a fault. Great. Unpretentious. You kind of get what you get, uh-huh. uh, you know. And and so I – and not for everyone. Perfect. Uh, okay. You can be an acquired – I'm an acquired taste. You can ask my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I thought about it, and I was thinking about the cars that I owned, and I thought, you know, that's not, that's a bug-eye sprite to me. Ah, cool. That's what I'd be. There I'd be go. a bug-eye sprite. They were a bit temperamental. I've owned a couple. I owned a little race car, Bug Eye, one time, and they are loyal to a fault. There so you go. I, I thought that best described it. There you go. I had a guest on the show who's known as the Bug Eye Sprite Guy uh, not oh, too geez. long ago. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's perfect. They do have a character about them, that's for sure. I mean, you can't put smile when you look at a Bug Eye Sprite, kind of like a VW Bug. So nice choice. I like it, David. Well, up next Thanks. is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom patterned for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. 
and they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, David, we are back, and we're entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Always have someone check your work. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Not serious. I did. I do my own fabrication work, and I've built a couple cars in my day, and uh, one of the one of the fabricators that I learned from that was that was his advice. He said, "When you're done, always have somebody look at your stuff." Yeah, and uh, it's great. I still use it yeah. when I build cars. Oh, definitely. Yeah, especially if you're doing anything that has to do with stopping the vehicle. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I have a lot of tenacity. I don't give up very easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tenacity. Perseverance, all part of being an entrepreneur for sure, right? Yeah, that and self-discipline. I mean, you you have to be able to put a schedule to yourself and you have to be able to maintain that schedule. And, you know, you're your own boss. You got to do everything. Yeah, I kind of know about that. You're my 956th guest in three and a half years. So, uh, yeah, if you don't have a stick to it and this, you don't get that kind of stuff done. So, very nice. Now about a resource, there are tons of great resources these days, including your website for some fabulous art. But is there a resource you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I uh, a, a new friend of mine, Michael Carnell, uh, lives out in South Carolina, has a great little website called JustBritish.com. And uh, he is the purveyor of all things British automotive, old and new. So you get a lot of cool stuff, and it's just a neat site. When I was first introduced to it, I was a little skeptical, but it's nice. He's he's managed to um, bring together all kinds of stuff, full calendar, events, yada, yada, yada. It's a really cool site, and Very it's just cool. a lot of fun to read. Awesome. Great. We'll make sure we put a link to that on your show notes page. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Jim Clark. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things you hear a lot if you hang around the F1 stuff long enough is the knock on today's drivers and cars and the advent of technology and and all of that. And I 
I generally listen to it kind of not completely, I suppose. You know, because I, I guess my question to Jim Clark would be, if he could see the drivers of today and the cars of today, what would he think? Yes. You know, because back in the day, especially him, you think about the Ford Cosworth and Colin Chaplin's cars. Those were the height of technology back in the day. Sure. They really were. I wonder if that was the argument then about, you know, people watching them and, and their and their technology bemoaning the lost days of Lorenzo Van, you know, of all the <laughs> people that had gone before, yeah. you know, et cetera. So that, that would be the question I would want to ask, I think. That'd be pretty cool for sure. Yep. yep. Old Jimmy Clark. Well, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you've enjoyed you think our listeners would enjoy as well? If you can find this book, I strongly recommend it. It's kind of an old book. I've read it probably three or four times and reading it again. And it's Ken Purdy's Book of Automobiles. Yes. You don't remember Ken Purdy. He was a fabulous writer. And I just enjoy the writing style of it. He also writes about moments in time that are, of course, well past us. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting that he writes about them in historical perspective. And, of course, that was back in – he's writing in the, in the 60s. Right. And, of course, we're looking at it you know, 50 years on. Yeah. And I just find it to be interesting. He's a, he's a very entertaining writer and uh, with, a, with a unique perspective. So It is a great book. My father gave me that book when I was in high school, I believe, in the 70s. So uh, yep. still, <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, still sits on my shelf. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources David's been so kind to share on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in David Townsend. You'll find that page with all these great links. All right, David, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. I don't care who owns it. I don't care where it is. It's going to end up in your garage today, so money's no object. Living in fantasy land a little bit today, but that's the fun of this question. What's that car going to be and why? That would be... The Arnold Bristol that I just recently saw in Doug Buchanan's garage. <laughs> oh, okay. And, you know, I had never given those cars much of a thought until I got to see his up close and personal and sit in it. And that would be absolutely, no hands down, without a doubt, the car that I would want. It's just no nonsense. It looks great. Fabulous BMW motor in it. And just a great car. I would... Own it in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's a pretty – I'm trying to describe how you would – or think how you describe that car. It's, it's an open-top cabriolet, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah it and, is. But it's yeah. it, to me, it's kind of uh, almost like a Fiat Dino, kind of, but more elegant, really different front end, the way – the hood, if I remember the car right, the way the hood, yeah, yeah, very unique car for yeah, sure. It's, it's got some, got a little BMW 504 maybe in it here yeah, and there in terms yeah. of kind of overall shape and just a just a really unique car, very crisp lines to it. You yes, know. yeah, yeah, very architectural almost. Uh, very cool. Well, Beautiful. and I think if I remember right, the front end has those lights that are pulled into the center by the that kind of BMW-esque grill a little bit. It does know? It does indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. wow. Yeah. So I'm going to have to call Doug, huh, and pull that car out of his hands. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to now. <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. I think that's cool. You're the only person out of 956 people who've asked for that car, so that makes you rather unique. I always like it when something new and different is... Uh, suggested here on Cars Yeah, so very cool. Well, David, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. 
I know you're calling in from a little chilly Vermont today. It's been a brutal winter for the East Coast. It's been a little crisp. Crisp, yes. Um, crisp. Uh, we, 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 finally, uh, we finally got out of the negative numbers today. Oh, so ouch. You were pretty happy. Yeah, where this is, uh, I think it got up to 20 today. So this is pretty much heat wave time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little balmy there today. Well, considering yesterday I was out washing my car in the rain, here in the Pacific Northwest, but it was about 42 degrees, so you can do that here, you know, as long as it's not freezing. But, uh, wow, well, I really appreciate you spending some time and offering uh, to our listeners some uh, some of your history and background. Is there one uh, parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you rip off into the sunset in that Arnold Bristol? Yeah, one of my mentors gave me this years and years ago, and I've never forgotten it. And he, he said uh, that if I, if I wanted to keep growing, keep succeeding, I needed to be willing to put aside what I knew in the interest of what I might find out. Mm, awesome and, advice. Uh, hard to do, hard to do. We, we we lean on what we've learned and, you know, we kind of feel like we put it in the bank. And uh, But if you really want to grow, you've got to be willing to shut the door on that bank and just step out and do stuff. Great advice. Great things happen way outside our comfort zones. And again, what's Indeed. the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? The website is da- hands down the best way. And that website again? Sportscarart.com. Very easy. Well, listeners, again, I'll put a link to that on David's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Go check out what he's doing. I think you're going to love the art that David creates, especially if you like cars. And if you're listening to this show, you love cars. So check it out. David, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. It was a fun time. Great ride. I can unbuckle now. I'm safe. We're safe. We made it. Thank you. We made it. (laughs) Take care. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.